Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Converge. Thanks so much for being here today. Just wanted to let you know we're getting started in a couple of minutes here. So if you need some coffee, if you need a snack, go ahead and go grab that stuff now. Figure out where you're going to be sitting. We're going to get things rolling here in just a second. Thank you so much. Good to see you all today.
Good morning, everybody. We're going to go ahead and get things started here. I think Dave's got a pretty big passage today, so we're going to try to give him a little extra time to make it through all that. Although he has told me that he doesn't plan to cover the entire Old Testament, so I think it should be good. So... If you aren't getting our text updates currently, I would encourage you. Oh, I don't think I've got control up here yet, do I? Uh, if you aren't getting our text updates, it's conveniently, it's the right slide though. Uh, if you aren't getting our te text updates currently, I would encourage you to text at HB Converge to 81010. And uh, that gives us the ability to text you guys announcements, updates, reminders. Uh, for example, every week we text out info about the Tuesday and Thursday small groups. So those are still going on this week. But you know, if anything's ever rescheduled or canceled or has to take place at a different venue, that's generally how that we get that information out to you. Those are on Tuesdays and Thursdays. The Tuesday one is at the Sumi's house. The Thursday one is at the Velez's house. Those are at seven o'clock. And then on Wednesdays, some people get together for a bonfire at the forests. And uh, for that one, there's no agenda. It's just getting to know everybody around a fire, eating some marshmallows. And that's any time between 7.30 and 11. Just swing by for whatever time you've got free, however long you want to be there. This is the last one. So if you've been thinking, I really want to make it to one of these, this is your last chance to, you know, especially if you haven't already. So. This Wednesday, 7.30, at the Forests. Um, also, just going to plug the, the podcast real quick. Um, Seth has been real great about recording these sessions every Sunday and then getting them up on this podcast feed. If you search Converge Sunday Mornings, I believe it's a Spotify podcast, or at least you can find it on Spotify. You can pull it up with this QR code as well. Um, so if you're not able to be here for a week, if you heard something that you really wanted to, to hear again or pass along to somebody else, it's a great opportunity to double check. If, if you heard something that you're pretty sure was heresy and want to go back and make sure, here's your chance. You know, just double check. And then when you go back and listen to it again, you'll understand that you heard it wrong the first time. That's probably right, right? Okay. Also, if you're interested in, AJ's not here today. I was going to say, if you're interested in joining the worship team, talk to AJ, but he's not here. So if you're interested in joining the worship team at some point in the future, talk to AJ. Uh, and then for announcements going on with Heritage as a whole, uh, check out hbclynchburg.com slash hub. Uh, another thing through there that I want to go ahead and push again this week is there's a huge shortage of people helping out with uh, the children, with nursery and kindergarten, preschool. Um, so if you go to hbclynchburg.com slash hub and click on I want to volunteer right there, you can put in your info and get them your contact information and sign up to serve once a month, twice a month. Uh, whenever there's gaps that need filling, they're, uh, they're pretty short staffed. So they're, they'd be happy for any help they can get. And it's uh, I really much enjoy helping out with the kids when I get a chance to. Like, you know, it's interesting seeing all of these different little people, all their different learning styles, all the different ways that they, they function and grow and play. And it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a great experience if you haven't tried it. So if you need peer pressure to be there, you can sign up with a friend. Or if you think it'll be more fun with somebody, you can sign up that way as well. Yeah, that's a great point. Thanks, Christina. And then also, we as a class have been able to, to help out with the hospitality teams. 
Um, and then we're signed up on, hmm, there we go. <laughs> we're signed up to do that one once a quarter as well. They're still looking for individual volunteers. So if you're interested in doing that, you can sign up for that on the hub as well. Um, and that's also if you're a Liberty student needing CSER hours, if that's still what those hours are called, um, you can sign up for that as well. And that's an option, you know, just be a smiling face, open the door for people as they get here, or, you know, if you know the layout of the church and you want to guide people around, that's an option as well. So that is all I've got for you today. Uh, Dave is going to get up here in just a second and keep us going through 2 Corinthians. So I'm going to open us up in prayer and then hand things over to Dave. Dear God, thank you so much for this opportunity that we have to be together and just to, to dig into your word. Lord, I pray that you'd open our hearts, that you'd open our minds, uh, that you'd give Dave uh, a message from your spirit today, Lord, just the things that we need to hear, that uh, through this process we would understand your church and the body and our role in it better. Uh, thank you for all that you are, Lord, and all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm excited to be here with you guys today. Hope you're excited to be here. It looks like some people are starting to find their way back to Lynchburg. Is that true? If you've been gone for the summer and you're back? Yeah, one, okay, one, two, three, okay. It looks, it looks that way. So uh, a couple of things to encourage you about what is coming in the fall. You'll get more announcements and more detailed announcements coming, but uh, some things that I'm excited about. There was a change this summer that would allow, if you, uh, if you do find yourself in need of CSER or Christian service, community service type of hours, um, Heritage can be that point for you, that area to serve, and I am now okay to sign those off for Heritage. So, uh, so we can kind of compile all of your serving within Converge, within the hospitality team, within the children's ministry, wherever you serve, because here's my thing. It's important for you to dig deep into the local church. And for us to be able to provide you that avenue where it might not come from you serving weekly in, in children's ministry, maybe that is where you want to be, but, but maybe not. Maybe you want to serve um, once a month in children's ministry, but you can also do the hospitality team and you can also come early and help us set up for Converge and all together that can be enough hours for, for your uh, requirements. Then we want to do that because I believe deeply in you guys connecting to your local church. And so this is um, one thing that we've done to be able to allow for that to happen. Second, as you start to gear up for the fall, I want to have you pencil down September 5th as a really important date. That's a Sunday, and we're having our big Converge kickoff that Sunday. Just as a little teaser for you, we're gonna have a massive amount of pulled pork serious in like the 50 pound range okay yeah we're gonna have the frosty penguin food truck here okay so if you like hawaiian shave ice then that'll be here for free for you to have and hatchet throwing why why not <laughs> right along with some other things along with some other things but september 5th we want to we want to welcome you back into the fall semester, right? And so we want you to come. We want you to be here for lunch after Converge that day. Uh, bring people with you, you know, and we, we'll have a good time. We'll have a good time. If, it, uh, if you think you're going to bring like 100 people with you, can you let me know? Just, <laughs> just so we have enough because 50 pounds of pulled pork only goes so far, right? Uh, so let me know if, uh, if you are bringing large quantities of people, but we're super excited about what God's going to do through Converge this fall and through actually this whole year, and, and are excited about um, your role in that if you're going to be sticking around. If you are still in the next few weeks going to be headed out from here, then uh, I would love to hear what you've got planned for the fall uh, and be able to pray with you, and we want this to be a continual resource for you, which is why we try to do the things like the podcast so that if you, you know, if it takes a while for you to find traction in a local church wherever you end up going, that you've got something to link back to 
So we're, we're doing some of those things. But we're excited that you're here today. We're at the near the end of our study through 2 Corinthians that we've been calling Greater. So you can find your way to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I thought I was ambitious in trying to get through 2 Corinthians chapter 10 through 12, and then Pastor Nathan did the Old Testament today. So, you know, what's three chapters if you can do the whole Old Testament, right? While you're finding your way there, I want you to talk to your, to your table about, uh, about one thing, okay? I want you to share with them one, your greatest strength, or one of them if you have lots, okay? Humility is your greatest, no. Um, your greatest strength and your greatest or the one that you're willing to share, weakness, all right? Your greatest strength and greatest weakness. I want you to share that at the table. It's pertinent to our discussion today. I want you to share that. All right, I'm sure not everybody got to share all of what you wanted to share, but let's come back together. Does anybody, does anybody watch The Office? Did anybody try to pull a Michael Scott on this today? I just care too much. My greatest weakness is that I try too hard. That it could be, it could be, all right. So hopefully you've, you've broken the ice just a little bit. We're going to have some more discussion time as we go through. Um, I want to actually read our, our passage today, which is substantial, okay? I get that. I timed it. When I, when I read it by myself in my basement, it was seven and a half minutes. I think we can do that, okay? We'll see if I read faster or slower today, but you don't have to time me. Don't worry about it, okay? We're going to start in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 7, we read verses 1 through 6 last week. We talked about what, um, what it meant for Paul to be approaching this idea of having lofty opinions and arguments that rise up against the knowledge of God. And we're going we're gonna to go further into the context of that statement. We, we also saw last week how that is broader than maybe the strict context of what we're seeing right here, that that sure, there, are, there were arguments being brought up against the knowledge of God in the church of Corinth that needed to be torn down and the name of God and, and the knowledge of Christ raised up. Um, but there are a lot of things that fight in, your, in the battlefield of your mind for uh, your attention to tear down what would be the preeminence of God in your, 
mind. So we talked, we talked there last week. We're going to see Paul now begin to address some people who were actively opposing him to the church at Corinth. Okay, And it's, it's got some strange ways that Paul's going to communicate about them. And I hope you pick up on them. We're going to come back after we read the whole section, and we're going to take it chunk by chunk and let you discuss some things at the tables uh, and try to kind of pull out a kind of a key thought out of each chunk that I'm going to give you, okay? So follow along with that in mind that we're kind of looking for big ideas through this, um, through this kind of long section. Chapter 10, verse 7. Look at what is before your eyes. If anyone's confident that he is Christ. Let him remind himself that just as he is Christ, so also are we. For even if I boast a little too much of our authority, which the Lord gave me for building you up, not for destroying you, I will not be ashamed. I do not want to appear frightening to be frightening you with my letters. For they say his letters are weighty and strong, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech of no account. Let such a person understand that what we say by letter when absent, we do when present. Not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. But we will not boast beyond limits, but will boast only with regard to the area of influence God assigned to us to reach even to you. For we are not overextending ourselves as though we did not reach you. For we were the first to come all the way to you with the gospel of Christ. We do not boast beyond limit in the labors of others, but our hope is that as your faith increases, our area of influence among you may be greatly enlarged so that we may preach the gospel in lands beyond you without boasting of work already done in another's area of influence. Let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. For it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. I wish you would bear with me in a little foolishness. Do bear with me. For I feel a divine jealousy for you, since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. But I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaim, or if, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, you've put up with it readily enough. Indeed, I consider that I am not in the least inferior to these super apostles. Even if I'm unskilled in speaking, I'm not so in knowledge. Indeed, in every way we have made this plain to you in all things. Or did I commit a sin in humbling myself so that you might be exalted because I preached the gospel to you free of charge? I robbed other churches by accepting support from them in order to serve you. And when I was with you and was in need, I didn't burden anyone. For the brothers who came from Macedonia supplied my need. So I refrained and will refrain from burdening you in any way. As the truth of Christ is in me, this boasting of mine will not be silenced in the regions of Achaia. And why? Because I do not love you? God knows I do. And what I'm doing, I will continue to do in order to undermine the claim of those who would like to claim that in their boasted mission, they work on the same terms as we do. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light, so it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. I repeat, let no one think me foolish, but even if you do, accept me as a fool, so that I too may boast a little. What I'm saying with this boastful confidence, I say not as the Lord would, but as a fool. 
Since many boast according to the flesh, I too will boast. For you will gladly bear with fools, being wise yourselves. For you bear it if someone makes slaves of you, or devours you, or takes advantage of you, or puts on airs, or strikes you in the face. To my shame, I must say, we were too weak for that. But whatever anyone else dares to boast of, I'm speaking as a fool, I also dare to boast of that. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they offsprings, uh, offspring of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I'm a better one. I'm talking like a madman. With far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings and often near to death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is a daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Who's weak? Am I not weak? Who's, who's made to fall and I am not indignant? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, he who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. At Damascus, the governor under King Eretus was guarding the city of Damascus in order to seize me. But I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped his hands. I must go on boasting. Though there's nothing to be gained by it, I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. On behalf of this man, I will boast. But on my own behalf, I will not boast, except of my weakness. Though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth, but I refrain from it, so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that, he sh that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. I appreciate your patience in reading through Scripture. It's good. It's good to read Scripture out loud. And it's good to get the picture of what's going on here with Paul. And this is, this is one big address to some obstacles, some people that were obstacles in, in the ministry path of the church of Corinth. And you read this back and forth about how he was, how he was approaching this boasting. And, and you begin to understand that what he's saying is he doesn't really have any desire to boast about his credibility. Although he has it. 
I mean, he honestly says that if I did boast, I wouldn't be lying. This is the truth. What I've just said is the truth. But he doesn't have any real desire to boast because what he's realized is that it's not about him. That his whole purpose in existing in his relationship with this church is to point them to Jesus. And that he is a better agent of Christ when he understands his weakness than when he tries to live in his strengths. That when he understands the humility required to allow Christ to work through him, that that's when real power of Jesus shows up in the ministry. So what we're going to see is, is we're going to try to understand Paul's argument. Because what I, what I do know is that it's really weird to read, okay? And even um, uh, Rick and Cheryl, you guys who were at their house this week, Rick texted me after your, um, after your conversation. He said, we, we ventured into the second part of chapter 10, and we kind of got a little fuzzy there. And I, so I, I wasn't there. I don't know how it went. But, but I want you to have enough understanding of this section to be able to to see what Paul's trying to say so I want us to visit them I want us to visit this big group of verses in some smaller sections as table groups and I want us to find really one one big theme of the section okay so we're spending our time here 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse uh, through 12 and what we're seeing overall is that there are slanderers who seem to have a malicious intent. And what I also want us to see as we go through here is that at times we aren't much different. Okay? Now, we're obviously putting a big X mark over the slanderers, okay? We're on Paul's side here and we're going to we're going to see how he unfolds this, you know, this strange discourse about his background and his boasting, although it doesn't, it's not really what he wants to do. We're going to see that. But I want you to try to get just a little bit into the minds of the false teachers that Paul is, is seeing here. Because my question to you is, how many times do we find ourselves trying to build ourselves up by tearing other people down? Okay, And that's essentially, even though I think they had pretty deeply, Paul's got strong language for them, right? So I think we have a pretty deep, deeply malicious intent on their behalf to try to separate this church from Paul. But the tactic, isn't that foreign to us? To advocate on our own behalf or really by tearing somebody else down. And so there's there's slanderers there, they seem to have this malicious intent, but understand that we're not, we're not that far off from them. So Paul needs to mount a defense against these slanderous false teachers, and that's what we see here. I think he's let it go to the point where um, the way God is leading Paul to react to this is to call them out, where more often we're probably going to allow for God to be our defender. And so, you know, it's not, it's not going to be our takeaway to figure out how to write these kind of letters, okay? That's not, that's not our takeaway, to come to our own defense in this sort of sarcastic and, and abrasive way that Paul has found himself in the need to do. So that's not our takeaway, don't, don't go there. But to think through the fact that, that there might be a day when it's important for us to, to defend ourselves. Like, I, I mean, we just have to present the honest facts. And sometimes when you do that, it's hard to do that without sounding proud. And so Paul is facing this weird situation of, of defending himself and then sounding like a completely conceited individual. But in the end, what, what he comes around to is that his boast and ours, what we, need, what we do need to take away from here, is that his boast is in Christ and not himself. That's over, overarching, that's kind of the trajectory of what these chapters are all about. And so I want us to, um, to take that, again, bit by bit. And so we're going to take the first uh, 11 or 12 verses here. I want you, as a table, 
I want you to revisit verses 7 through 18 of 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 7 through 18. And I want you to try to come up with a summary statement of those verses, okay, of what's going on there. You can talk as much as you want to. You can read it again if you want to. But I'll give you a few minutes to discuss that, and then I'll bring you back, and I'll give you what my summary statement is here. All right, let's try to discuss this a little bit in the whole group. What, what do you see as some of the big points in, the, in this passage, in this section of the passage? Anything? Okay, at the end we get our first taste of that, right? That, that becomes a repeated theme through, through this whole section is 
uh, is that our boast isn't in ourselves. It's not in what we've done or, or who we are inherently, but it's in Christ. So yeah, you see that. Anything else? Paul was judged by his actions. Yeah, that. Uh, yeah, they weren't taking taking his words alone, and what they were seeing was a misinterpretation of how he was presenting himself. You know, he even says later in the next section that we're going to go through that did, maybe I committed a sin that you might be exalted because I didn't ask you to pay me, right? Like I didn't bring the ownership level up or something with that. Um, so yeah, his actions are being judged rather than what his words are. Yeah. So some of you, actually, that very first verse in this section might be different depending on what uh, translation you're reading from. Generally speaking, this um, this verse well, it could be actually written a couple of different ways, either a question or a statement. And so what what's commonly accepted here is what I read uh, or the style along what I read here is look what's before your eyes okay you might have read something like um, a, a statement a declarative statement that you are only you're only believing what you're seeing or something something like that um, the idea here that Paul's trying to get across so if I think if you understand the whole context of where he's going is that there's something obvious out in front of you and you're missing it and so this idea of you've got to look at what's right in front of you is really important. And he summarizes with the last verse to say that your boast isn't in Christ. It's, in, or it's not in yourself, it's in Christ. And so what he's going through here is that the, the false teachers specifically, but also the church, the people that Paul is talking to, have been using the wrong standard to measure against. Okay, so my summary statement here is that they're measuring against the wrong standard. They're seeing something that's big and flashy in front of them, and they're kind of buying into that, but they're measuring against the wrong standard. And so when, when the false teachers are coming in and saying, well, how can you actually listen to Paul? He's not even attractive to listen to. Well, thank you guys for not believing that same standard as why you should come, because, you know, <laughs> right? That's, that's the kind of thing that they're saying. Is that you, how can you even listen to Paul? It's hard to listen to. Well, okay, this is, we're talking about truth versus error here. We're not talking about how well put together Paul is. And for him to maintain this um, standard of not taking money from them and, and then taking handouts from other churches to sustain his lifestyle, that was also a turnoff in the eyes of the false teachers who were coming to them and, and wanting money and dressing in a flashy way. You know, they're, they're presenting themselves in a way that's grabbing attention where Paul is not, and that's being called into question. So what Paul starts here with in his, in his entry point into this discourse against the false teachers is that your standard has to be right if you're going to compare how God is working through the individuals that are coming into your church. And they're using the wrong standard. Okay, our next section of verses is going to be verses 11, or sorry, chapter 11, verses 1 through 15. I want you to do the same thing. I'll give you five minutes or so to, to read it and try to just see a, um, like the theme of that section, okay? That big idea in that section.
All right, I'm sure I'm cutting you short again, but, uh, but we're going to keep moving together as a group here. In chapter 11, in chapter 11, Paul, Paul gives us, I think, a really great picture of, of uh, what he means when he says in other, another place that he's willing to become all things to all men so that he might be able to save some. That he's willing to enter the foolishness of what's going on in Corinth here in a way to draw the attention of the church back to Christ. This isn't really where he, this, this isn't the MO he wants to have. This isn't the way he wants to engage people. When he presents truth, he wants to, you know, he wants to be able to have these real conversations with it, but, but he's having to enter into um, a, a kind of awkward relationship where these people who consider themselves super apostles are tearing him down. And so what did you guys see if you, if you tried to summarize verses 1 through 15? What, what would you say is going on here? I know it's kind of a weird section, yeah. 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 Whitewashed tombs in Jesus' terms, right? That that they're advocating for really pretty trash. Yeah. It's a good point. That they're that Paul is now entering into that arena to in a way dress himself up in this, but he's putting on all that like they say putting lipstick on a pig. Like they're just, he's putting all this dressing up on something that he's already come to grips on the fact that everything in his, all these credentials are rubbish. They're, they're all trash. They're all worthless. And now he's having to come into that, that arena to do that. Yeah. So what I put down here, it's not, it's not exactly the, um, you know, the, the challenge for us, but more of a summary statement that Paul's now engaging in the foolishness in order to reveal the deception of the super apostles. That this is, this is that section now, and he's sort of unloading his willingness to do that. That he's not, he's not going to step aside and, and just allow them to continue doing that. And, and when you get to the end of that section, his language gets really strong by saying, you know, it's no wonder they do this since since Satan himself does this, so why not those that follow him do that? I mean, if they're going to read that at the church with the super apostles sitting there, I think, you know, shots fired, I guess, right? For the next section, I want us to, to kind of talk through it together. Paul uh, then actually unloads his resume. In what is an entertaining way, I don't know if you want to go back and read it, you should. You should read how he words it, but he's you know, he's saying things like, uh, you know, how many times he's done this, and I've had far greater labors, far more imprisonments, and countless beatings. I mean, he's, he's just really building up the ridiculousness of his resume in what they're calling him out on, right? And so for, for this section, Paul is getting to the point where he's, he's just telling them, if, you, if it really was down to brass tacks about who's done what more or better, then Paul's resume is better in pedigree, like who he is just by birth. It's better in experience. What he's done is bigger and better. His commitment level, which is what the beatings and imprisonments and shipwrecks tell us, his commitment is better. And if they want the showstopper, his time with Jesus is better. So we have to get into um, chapter 12 for this section. But, and this is where it's a little bit weird if you just kind of jump into it and try to read it. Paul is given this third person testimony about somebody who went into the presence of God. But it's Paul, okay? So this is part of the ridiculousness of his arguments here. He's saying, he's saying I know this guy, okay? 
know him pretty well, actually, right? I know this guy who 14 years ago went into the presence of God, and whether it was bodily or not, God only knows, but, but he did this, and he saw things. And this was Paul. Paul was in the presence of Christ, and Paul, in his history, too, was, was brought up to speed on what Christ's mission in this world was by Christ himself. So Paul's time with Jesus was better. So if they're going to put resume against resume, Paul's got them, hands down. He might not look the part, like give the impression that they want, that first, that first look that they're wishing for. But the resume is better. But the point that we get to in chapter 12, the end of this section, verses 5 through 10, is that the resume doesn't matter. The, the resume is the ridiculousness. The resume doesn't matter. Jesus matters. And Jesus' strength is made perfect in weakness. And this is where the whole argument gets turned on its head. And this is where it gets uncomfortable for us. Because if you're like me, you spend an unnecessary amount of time hiding your weaknesses. Like, that's not something we want to show, right? We want to, we want to put those down. And that's why I even said at the beginning, share your greatest weakness or the one you're willing to talk about. Okay? Because that's not what we want to show. We don't want to show that. We want to hide that. And we want to, we want to broadcast our strengths and what we end up doing when we live in that kind of way and that kind of approach to life and that kind of approach to relationship is that we rely on ourselves. That our ability to do things is what gets the job done. Our ability to, um, to bring people around us to gather their attention and to gain their trust or their affection is what we celebrate and we rely on and so pride becomes something that is just our core idol here to have to have that fed and to be whether our day is good or bad or if our year is on a is on a high or a low becomes how well am I performing here when we rely on our own strengths and what we have to realize is that humility is the arena in which Christ can really work. That's in you and through you to others. And so with, with Paul, we need to be able to say that though it's uncomfortable. I mean, I think that the honesty we read in uh, in the verses where he shares that he three times asks God to take his weakness away, this particular one, that's, that's pretty bare-faced honesty to say, you know, I'm not perfect in this. I want it out. <laughs> and, it, and while ours may not be physically painful or debilitating the way that Paul's seems to be, feels that way psychologically it's it's difficult for us to wrap our minds yeah josh Yeah. Yeah, which is really I think the big point of all of this is that in in the economy of God and in this passage right here what we're seeing is that weakness is actually greater than strength. That all of the presuppositions that they had and how they were evaluating these these super apostles was on the wrong basis. They were 
evaluating based on their strengths and what they could bring to the table and that that what they were throwing Paul out for was really his greatest strength in that it was how Christ was able to work. So we read in the end of, uh, of chapter, well, not, it's not the end, it's the middle of chapter 12. We read that um, Paul says, he relates what God said to him, that my grace is sufficient for you. And my power is made perfect in weakness. So for all those times that you try to minimize weakness, you might be avoiding the actual avenue that God desires to work in and through you with. And that is a massive overhaul of our mindset that we have to come to grips with to embrace weakness and humility and allow God's strength to be made perfect in us. So Paul's response after learning this is, therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest on me. For when I am weak, that's when I'm strong. So I want to I give you a few questions. We, gotta, we can hang out for a few minutes here, um, but... Here's, the, here's some questions for this week in small groups or, or for right now if you've got time. In what relationships have you attempted to build yourself up by tearing others down? So when we start to think about the super apostles that Paul's addressing, you know, that's one of their tactics that's going on here is that they're, that they're tearing down Paul in order to build themselves up in their ministry. Where do you find yourself doing that? Okay, Because it is, it's real. It's something that it's a tactic that we employ, and, and we need to be on guard against it. Number two, what are the apparent strengths that you tend to boast in, and how should your perspective on these change? You should guard yourself against pride in your strengths, because what we understand is that our strengths, all of the best qualities about ourselves are gifts from God. And that therefore we have humility even in the strengths that God has given us. And lastly, what weaknesses do you typically try to minimize? And if you, if you could get into the mind of God just a little bit, how might God display his strength through that weakness? Okay? I would love for you guys to discuss that a little bit. If you've got the time, stick around. I'll be back in about five minutes. Is anybody coming in after us today? Okay. I'll be back in about five minutes to wrap us up, um, but you can discuss this now. And, uh, and then after we're all done, if everybody on the leadership team has just a minute to come up front, I got to tell you a couple of things, and then we'll be out of here. Okay? Guys, en enjoy the conversation just for a minute. I'll be back. Bad, bad call on my part. We need to actually wrap up. There's, uh, there's another group coming in. I, uh, I'll try to be better about having that information for you. So we're going to have to call it quits here. If you want to discuss this, which I think you should, you should come to our small groups on Tuesday and Thursday this week. Um, let me pray for you. And then uh, leadership team, if you can, come on up. And, and I've just got to tell you a couple of things. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the time that we've been able to be together. Father, thank you for this challenge to, uh, to move beyond where we would typically build up our own uh, confidence, our own pride in the strengths that you've given us. These, these are real things. They're not, they're not wrong things. We might have a misconception of how great they really are, but you've given us, you've given us strengths. Father, help us to approach those in humility. To understand that they're gifts from you. And Father, in an even greater way, I pray that you would help us to understand our weaknesses as avenues for your grace to be poured out in our lives and even through us because of how you can work in us in those ways that are typically humbling. So Lord, as we go through this week, I pray that you would help us to evaluate how we even understand ourselves. 
and that we would boast in our weaknesses and look for ways for you to be active in our lives because of our weaknesses. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, thanks for being here. We'll see you next week.